0: This is the Exquisite Redemption podcast where we discuss neighboring, neighborhoods, neighborhood revitalization, and why I love chasing those wild turkeys down my own neighborhood street. Last time on the Exquisite Redemption podcast.
1: I actually got hired on and I remember thinking to myself, hey, this is a pretty cool job. Everybody, Everybody's relaxed, That's Everybody, all that a crap started. You're totally like a robot. You're handcuffed to your desk. You gotta raise your with hand your numbers. Room. I don't think a person should be a color. Just kind of started to see a change in Used management. Used as kind of like a crutch. Like for example, just I'm sitting through my quarterly one-on-one. Just for example, we're going over WFO times. You know, how come you're, how come you're taking 30 minute breaks? You know, well, I'm not taking 30 minute breaks. I hardly take breaks at all but if we want to talk about breaks you know with the job as well you're in a position where you're constantly second guessing yourself you know you have your supervisor telling you stuff that is not true but they only want to listen to what they are in front of clients and they're sharing their story their trauma their experiences where some of us maybe suppress it and they we feel it but others it affects them differently and that's Maybe how they lash out? Like, do you think that's the repercussions of feeling and hearing stories for so many years? I think and it's like secondhand smoke. Yeah.
0: I think that's it's the true. same exact thing, mm-hmm. except it's into your soul. So, welcome back to the Exquisite Redemption podcast. Last week, we did not have an episode because, in all honesty, I ran out of time. And we were having a neighborhood block party, which was amazing. For Cat and Jana's superpower part three, we're just going to go ahead and get right to it. It furthers the discussion. What does the redemption of a bureaucratic office space look like? So, Cat and Jana, take it away.
2: different than I would have with another coworker but as a unit as an as what we do professionally I see us all as a community I would say more support and that can be a lot of different things but from management quite honestly and even higher up to value the clients we serve the customer service instead of the time and the numbers, that sort of a thing, because I, ju- I just don't feel it. I don't feel the support in what we do. But most of us that work there are there for a reason because we love the clientele that we serve or want to ha- do the best we can to help them, give them resources. So that's, that's something that would could make a difference.
3: I think our first step is that um, our office does need to recognize that we do have an absentee problem, and that absentee problem is related uh, to morale. Um, and I think we have management at this point that believes that people are leaving for promotions and leaving for other opportunities. When I really truly believe that people come into our office and decided to work with vulnerable people, there's a big old sign everywhere you work that you're transforming lives. And right now our style, and I've been very open uh, with my supervisor that we're transforming lives in the sense that we are data entry and we are bank following and we are moving people like cattle, which does have its efficiency, but then we spend an incredible amount of time, effort and money talking about how are we going to transform lives and we talk about relationships. And that is not part of our core value at this point. So we talk about relationships with our clients, wanting to have that, but we do not foster an environment that is relationship with our coworkers. So it is kind of an interesting dynamic. I've also been with the state 13 years, and it's always on. You you haven't had the shift yet, so you've only had one way of doing business. And I think, you know, for example, for you in this transforming case management and whatever that looks like or whatever they're selling it to be, which is a major change and shift in the way we will do business, uh, it just seems in my time we uh, are at one end where we're not moving people efficiently and we're over time. Now we've gone to the other end where we are so efficient. We're going to have to find that that medium. But right now we're shifting back and forth. That shift is not immediate. It, it is more long term. So when I first started, I never felt like my numbers were more important than the person. So right now we're on the 180 of that. But I think with the cell of transforming case management, we've got people really trying to shift us back. And, and I, I do believe we'll get there. It's the ebb and flow of the way we do business.
0: Do you think you're capable of being a catalyst for culture shift of autonomy and passionate engagement?
3: Long winded one again.
0: Jana, <laughs> I
2: plead the fifth. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> like, the the and... opposites attract. Yeah. Loud, quiet. Yeah. <laughs> the, quiet
0: one you have to for? the short and
2: quiet ones.
3: <laughs> I believe that effort and attitude every day and ensuring others and coworkers that I'm assuming good intentions, that I would never be upset if they are spending quality time with people and I will never be upset at if the end of the day or that contact, even if it's my case... I believe wholly and truly they're doing the best that they could with the client at the time with the tools that they had. And I feel pretty solid in that with quite a few of my coworkers. and just trying to role model what's important and and stay the course because we will get back to that pendulum shift at some point. So I just, if people are willing to listen, I will always stay course with that and, and just try to to encourage young staff to hang in there. It's not always like this. You know, but it's really easy for me too. It's kind of exhausting. I think my difficulty is a lot of the times if I'm very frustrated with what I see as the people behind me, which is what I see as supervisors, then I really have to shift my focus on the people in front of me. And sometimes that causes me to ignore the people next to me, which is my coworkers. So head down driven to the people in front of me because that's what's keeping my butt in the chair that I sometimes can ignore the people next to me and I know they're equally as important. Okay. Oh yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's, I don't have a good answer for you, honestly. I, I feel like I'm not always disconnected, but I feel like it's difficult to want to make a lot of relationships when, not for me and my unit, but for example, people in our office, because I know they're under a different strict set of rules. And I also think sometimes our differences are pointed out more than our similarities. And I think building relationships with some of our financial staff is a little bit difficult. And I can find myself not being, I always feel approachable, but I I, I can be very business-oriented and walk right by people without... Sleep.
0: As I listened to Kat and Jana, Bobby L, and Juan, my thoughts went to my coworker and friend Linda. Linda works for the call center, and her team is allocated to live and breathe, eat, dream, and sleep, wake, and sit by the WFO. Linda was kind enough to... Describe what it is like to work under the Big Brother-esque eye of the Work First Optimization Computer Program. Listen to what she has to say.
4: We are timed for everything when we take our bathroom breaks. We have been suggested a time, a best time to get even our coffee in the morning. Well, um, one of the things that I did here is that like, I wanna work from home, uh, so basically telework. And one of the things that I heard is that you're expected to meet certain time frames um, to be able to work from home. So we have to meet that average. Some t- calls will go over, some you know, will go less. But we have to be within that average time that we're allowed for the type of call that we're on. They do say that it's changing, but what I've heard is that it affects your possibility or opportunity to move to say a lead position or to telework which you know for some people is more convenient when i'm correcting you know mistakes from previous workers i feel like i need to be correcting those those errors because they're there they're in front of me it could possibly deny their benefits for somebody just because of a simple coding error Um, So I wouldn't be doing my job if I just kind of rush through so I can meet the time frame and not correct the errors, which I think a lot of people do just so they can stay in the good time frame. Um, But there are no consequences, though. There are no consequences for for permanent employees, but for employees that are not permanent, um, you know. It could, they could look at that. And and when it comes time to see if you're going to be a permanent employee, I mean, I I don't know for a fact, but I'm just thinking that that could affect that possibility to become permanent employee Um, versus once you are a permanent employee, it doesn't, I mean, there are no consequences with a team because, so we're encouraged to not talk to or ask questions to our teammates about a case that we're working on. Um, We're only supposed to talk to lead workers, but a lot of the times they're not available. A lot of times they're all in meetings or gone for the day. So who are we supposed to talk about that? As team members, we can help each other out. Um, and i understand their
3: point of view i understand that because we I guess all for me is making sure that i introduce myself making sure i explain and express to everyone that i am approachable it's just sometimes i'm super focused on what i'm doing i know at my core it, it is always good intentions to do what's best for our clients
2: i think we need an office of more respect and <clears throat> excuse me i don't know how to change that except i feel like it needs to come from the top and trickle down and Also at our level, we need to support each other because we don't necessarily get it from up here all the way down. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's going to rely on us to really support each other and make those contacts and and smile and say hi. And that's where I personally sometimes struggle because I am quiet unless I get to know you, Mm -hmm. but I'm not the first one that's going to walk up and start to say, hi, I'm Jana. Mm -hmm and ask a lot of questions to get to know you but come to me and ask me anything i'll tell you the truth and i'll be open and honest and once we start talking you know but i say hi and smile to everyone i walk by
3: i know that we create a culture where Um, maybe the minority gets the attention. So maybe one person complains that the blinds are open. And so the strings are now a safety concern for children. And so now the entire office, because that one person has a concern, we cater to that one person. Instead of trying to work out the reality that we're in an office of 100 and um, you that we're gonna have some differences and what can we compromise on. Have we had those situations where, absolutely, every single one of the blinds had to be completely down and was I once told that if I move it up again I would be written up yes uh that that actually did happen I also feel like um If someone complains that someone was put on the wrong log and they complain about it, instead of a supervisor or someone saying, you know, in reality, that's a human being and that's what we do. We're in the business of serving human beings until you can no longer serve or it's beyond your capabilities. We then turn that into action on the person who maybe did not have ill will or just wasn't... uh, You also have to remember our clients are not necessarily great reporters and every concept, every time we have a contact with them, it could be a little different version than the first. So that first person that had a 30 second interaction may not have caught that they had children, but it's always a reactive system. So uh, instead of being like, hey, is it beyond your capabilities? Why don't you take care of it? That's a tough job. It's then a big, big issue. Um, And I, I, I think we could start there. If supervisors responded with assumed good intentions and maybe explored catering to the whole over enforcing, I think you would have less people complaining or, you know, because the truth of the matter is our job is incredibly stress- stressful and difficult. I think when stress is high, uh, scapegoating becomes an issue. And so if I'm not cutting it, I'm pointing fingers. And if we allow people to point fingers, then we're creating more division. So we have to work really hard, and I don't think we're, we're equipped right now with the right people to work really hard not to scapegoat each other uh, and blame each other for a lot of the angst and anxiety we feel about what's going on.
2: I had a passionate voice with my clients. um, Not necessarily, well, yes, I had a passionate voice, but... Definitely with my clients. With coworkers, yes. But again, I'm still a quiet person. Mm -hmm. So if you define. Yeah, absolutely. I have a purpose. There's a reason I'm there. There's a reason you do has a purpose. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Uh,
3: I don't know that there's ever been many days that I'm a loss of words (laughs) or quiet. Um, And certainly my voice gets louder and louder with excitement and passion that I do and what we do. And I think I really try to hone in on the conversations and the underlying, you know, Jenna and I can have a lot of really intense conversations. and, And that's what I mean when I don't do anything by myself. I literally am like, hey, I'm walking down to the bathroom. Are you, do you take a walk? And it's some sort of discussion regarding something work related. I ninety five percent of the time. Sometimes a lot about me bouncing things off uh, Jana. Like, well, do you think X, Y, and Z? And she'll try to ground me so that I can be more formulated in my thoughts and try to pick my points. At this point, I feel like I am a outspoken uh, advocate of client services. Sometimes I. I try to cut myself off because I feel like I'm the same broken record that's not being responded to in the same way.
2: And one thing I love about Kat is she's not willing to change herself either. You yeah, know, right. you are who you are. That's, yeah. Right. I, it's important.
3: I try to listen more, but I'm I'm never quiet. The type of leader that I would desire would be somebody who can acknowledge that we do not all need to be the same and meet the same mark that we really need to encourage the yin and the yang and that's important. At the end of the day, we have to have people that are fast and can move the work to offset the people maybe who are slower and take a little more time. And those are both equally of value. Uh, I want a supervisor or leadership that can strike that common balance, appreciate both ends of the spectrum, acknowledge and appreciate that it is absolutely necessary, you know, allow some freedom to uh, allow people to do what they do best. Uh, You know within the realms within the boundaries and I I think we would have a very good cohesive area. I feel that currently and I'll speak in general. uh, We're a little out of balance in our current office where maybe we have more um, on one side of the scale. Uh, where quantity is more important than quality. The thought of you are lucky to have a job versus I'm lucky you stay in the job. Uh, so I, I think we have a lot of like similar leaders right now and we, we're out of balance and that out of balance is causing a lot of strife for us. So I, I would like to find a little bit more leadership on the other end of that, um, just to balance out. And again, I, I think balance is important, but right now we're all on one side that I think is very telling in the way the morale is in the office. Obviously at our local level, and I don't know, it, you know, we don't get a lot of interaction from region. So we don't know regionally what that looks like, what the goal is. But I do believe that there is a major disconnect from our region versus our headquarters. And I think, you know, if I lis- listen to Babs speak and what she values and getting it right and uh, hearing people serving the community, uh, I never walk away questioning my job when I listen to her speak. So I think DSHS under Babs has the right, the right mission, the right goal. And I just don't know where it gets disconnected as we move down, but it is disconnected. Well, that's an obvious, but I, again, I, I think it has a lot to do with the scapegoating and, um, listening to the minority. If one person has a a complaint um this was probably prior to you being there as well. But um we had tried to do a plank challenge and uh we were building up to five minutes. Were you in the office? No, but that's really hard to do. <laughs> it's incredibly yeah, hard. We did it. <laughs> but apparently we were planking for thirty minutes every day at the end of the day. Um I, if which, I could do that. Yes. I wouldn't have this job. So we yeah, we got called into the principal's office for um taking too long to do wellness. Um <laughs>
2: because we did it in the hallway outside we were cubicle.
3: planking for 30 minutes at a time
2: and our boss said, laughed and said i know you weren't <laughs> yeah yeah honestly she,
3: she did but uh sad. but you can tell the uphill that she did feel the need to bring us in and kind of be like try to keep it quiet and try not to be so we'll plank in the bathroom. yeah yeah so you can tell that she did have that discussion instead of um and again, instead of nipping that one person in the in the bud who may have been complaining about people having fun, uh, we encourage that behavior because we addressed that one, and then somebody's like, oh, look, and then that's that's how that spiral, spirals out of control in my mind.
2: But it is, like, you know, having a one-on-one, I think quarterly or whatever we do with our boss, um, she was looking at my schedule on what, you know, they can see on the computer where you are, what you're doing, and it was, on March 4th, what were you doing from 1 to one fifteen? I don't know because we're talking it was well over a week later. I couldn't tell you what I was doing from 1 to one fifteen. Well, it looks like on this day you took an hour and 45 minute lunch. I can tell you I've never in my life taken an hour and 45 minute lunch. So something probably went down on the computer because that doesn't happen. I have a half hour lunch. I mean, so just being questioned like that, it's like, just don't. Just trust that I do my job and I do the best that I can and I don't neglect my time. Or my clients. The truth of
3: the matter is we have a lot of really cool technology that um, can really, if if you listen to some people in headquarters, and and specifically we're talking about WFO workforce optimization right now, where this is being used as a tool to measure workers. And unfortunately, that's not really the goal of that program. Really, the goal of the program was to allow us to know what butts need to be in chairs at what time. Are there systematic or is there uh, trends? in lobby traffic, is there trends in when people show up and high volume and how do we react? And, and that is what it is designed to do. And it is designed for call centers and it's been really successful for us in our call center in that realm. However, it's not ever been designed or used in a lobby situation. And I know there's some growing pains to that. But I think also instead of being a tool, if there's a problem, uh, it's being used as the measure. And, and I, I think that's really the, the myth um, because uh, it's important to have tools. Sometimes social services, we don't have enough data to show the value of what we're doing and how much we really do work and how much we do move but you have to at the end of the day know that's just one tool one tool um that measures um kind of what is going on but at the end of the day it it isn't a measure of how hard someone worked It's, it's not the tool right now uh at a local level which is really unfortunate i think it can be a useful tool we have to make sure we have the right people using it as a tool and not a measure I think we just have to continue to support each other and be um, models and pick our points. It's an uphill battle, but if we pick our spo- our spots about what is not acceptable and keep moving forward as a cohesive unit, uh, assuming good intentions in each other, we will always um, be more successful. We have that power as, as coworkers um, who uh, we have to see each other as the people sitting next to us. And if we can do that in five Foster that and encourage that. At the end of the day, there's no one sitting behind you that can change that powerful unit. They can make it a little more difficult, um, certainly, and not foster it, but I, I think we have some strong personalities that can continue to foster. Surround yourself with those people.
2: Good answer. <laughs> I feel like I'm on a radio talk show.
3: And you have an incredible DJ voice. Why, thank you. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Hey.
0: I would like to thank Kat and Jana, Bobby L, the Queen of Heaven and Hell, Juan the Bomb, and lovely Linda for taking the time to engage and lean into a discussion concerning a bureaucratic office space might look like in a redemptive setting. There's several things that are noted in all the conversations. First and foremost is just compassion for one another. Being kind to one another in an office space where everything is timed, it's a well-known secret that this is what it's used for and yet at the same time no one does anything to change it can only imagine the frustration and the struggle that my coworkers are experiencing day in and day out for 13 or more years. We have the ability to engage with one another, to contend with one another, to have those conversations, those crucial conversations. And that in and of itself minimizes or even eradicates looking at one another as the problem. I just had a conversation with Dan White Jr. He was talking about Love Over Fear. That's the name of his new book, Polarization of Our Culture. And that bleeds into our office place culture as 12. One person makes a mistake, then literally, as Juan said, the mob mentality, picking on that one person. Because ultimately, people have a low grade level of consistent frustration because they don't feel heard. In turn, we lash out at one another over things like putting someone on the wrong queue or the wrong notification goes out to the wrong team, whatever. Those are simple fixes. When you have leadership that interacts or sees their team members as something that needs to be fixed. That's just going to bleed out into how not only do we treat one another, but how we interact and treat those who walk through our front door. My phone number is 1509 688-5347. If you ever want to talk about it, give me a call. Just to let you guys know, I'm taking a break because I want to be outside. I want to be playing with kids. I want to be going outside and doing kick-ass amounts of yard work. I want to be outside barbecuing and talking with people. And it takes a lot of time and effort to do each episode because I'm doing it on my own. The next podcast episode will be published on the second Saturday of September. I'm looking forward to talking with you again. And until then, Spokane. Don't forget your grit and grime because that's part of your redemption process too. See you soon. Have a great rest of your summer break. And one, close us out, bro. Speaking of which, that's kind of
1: how I feel like leadership is today. They all have their meeting and I get that feeling, you know, I could walk by them having their meeting and... To, to get back on that the whole scene the world, there was a, a quote from uh, Mark Twain. And I think this resonates with the type of atmosphere that we have at our work. The quote goes like this. Travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness, and many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth. And like I said, I've I've traveled around the world and I've seen different aspects of life and, and life in general is awesome. Different cultures are awesome, experiencing that. It's just kind of sad to turn on the news at night and hear about all these different countries, uh, whether you're Muslim, whether you're Mexican, you know, and you hear all this negativity. And until you're actually there, you shouldn't talk about it or you shouldn't have your biased opinion about what other people do and what other people are trying to do and whatnot. That quote resonated with me because I think that's kind of like what the mindset of an actual leader in our line of work with DSHS should be.